mindfulness mode. My safety was in danger so much that I had to leave Los Angeles. I fled. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, are you heart-centered? Are you a person who would love to use that heart-centered quality that you have? Maybe you love to help people or you love to help make the planet a better place. Would you like to use that heart-centered quality of yours to have a successful business, to help you bring income your way, to help you generate you know, profits and feel really super great about it. Well, the man that I'm interviewing today is an entertainer. And I, I don't know if you've never heard that word. Well, I never heard that word either, but it's a cool word because it's kind of like entrepreneur, entertainer kind of looks like that well his name is nathan nathan aaron hey nathan are you in mindfulness mode today bruce hey let me check real quick okay uh see we got party mode we got thrive mode we got snuggle mode oh there it is okay mindfulness mode we're on (laughs) (laughs) you definitely seem like mindfulness mode but you also seem like happy mode like grounded mode like content mode you got a whole lot of modes going on well nathan is funding expert for heart-centered businesses like i already alluded to and he helps People like you merge all of your passions into one life mission to plan, fund, and build your dream business. So before we talk about our dream business, what does mindfulness mean to you, Uh, Nathan? What does it mean in your life? Yeah, well, let's see here. So first of all, everyone who's listening, uh, why don't we try it? Why don't we just feel what mindfulness means? And so wherever you are listening to this podcast, Maybe just take a look around and allow everything to slow down a little bit. And maybe just take your hand and put it on the dial and just turn up the colors in the room and turn them down. Maybe make it all the way black and white then make it all the way to super bright. And then take another dial and, and turn up the sounds and notice the background noises around us. And, you know, maybe there's a hum, maybe there's a bird, maybe there's a, a car going in the, in the distance. And to me, mindfulness before I started educating myself on and getting mindfulness coaches and people around me, to me, it really just meant being present, being connected and being able to kind of tap in to what is behind the curtain of the reality that we have been told is this life, right? We get taught so many things from age zero to now, and that shapes our reality. It's the stories that we've created for ourselves. And those stories are very real to us, but if we kind of tap into mindfulness, then we can tap into the reality behind those stories that we've had even before we learned anything about this life as a little baby. And so mindfulness to me is just an ability to tap into the truth and to tap into what really matters uh, so that we can really connect in and feel the moment and feel the day and feel our lives. Cause that's ultimately what we wanna do, whether it be trying to attain a goal we're trying to reach something. Or just if we want to hang out with a friend, we're trying to reach something. But we can reach it right now, right here. So that's what mindfulness is to me. Awesome. Well, Nathan, you've been reaching out to me quite a bit. And every time you reach out to me, you send this message that I would say is different 
from any message I received from anyone else. And I've never met you before. So it's really cool that you were extending yourself this way and telling me things. And then half an hour ago, you sent me an audio message saying how important it was to you to be on my show and how meaningful it was. And so tell us, why did you want to get on the show? Why do you want to be here on Mindfulness Mode? Well, here's how I see it. Um, If I am a little cell tower and I have instead of cellular service, I have love. And this love is just radiating throughout my little cell tower. And then I look over and I see this other person who has way, this huge uh, orb of love, which is you, and all this magic that you've been doing and you've been digging this uh, well for so long of this beautiful uh, message and meaning and a tribe of people who are who are really dialed in to what you're doing, I, I think to myself, how can I uh, connect my cell tower to this amazing cell tower of Bruce and his five years of doing this beautiful podcast and just spread spread my love for my cell tower to his wonderful cell tower. So that's my little analogy for it. But really, um, my, the other reason is that mindfulness as a practice is new to me. Uh, I am in the process of uh, getting a mindfulness coach, uh, and she basically has changed a lot for me. Uh, I've been dealing with some personal challenges, as we always do. One of mine is an addiction to to productivity, and I've learned that, wow, okay, I used to think that in order for me to be successful, I have to be ultra productive, which I think is true, but what I thought was uh, not allowed was for me to be in peace and harmony and and be able to uh, unwind my schedule uh, and still be productive. I thought that those two things wouldn't work together. But learning mindfulness as an active practice as opposed to just practicing it and assuming that I know what it is without uh, going into actual teachings of mindfulness, I've learned how powerful it can be as a practice and that's another reason why I'm so intrigued by this whole movement and this uh, long history of mindfulness. Well, I'm intrigued by the fact that you you talked about love and how important it is to you, but it's so important you even have the word love in your email address. And I won't share your email address with our listeners unless you want to, but that's pretty cool. You have the word love in your email address. And you said to me, you were sending so much gratitude and love to me. And you wish that I would have uncontrollable laughter and joy. And I actually just love laughing. I think that there's not enough laughter in the world. And I, I like being silly and crazy and laughing. And that's why you years ago, I created a really crazy off the wall, zany character that was my alter ego. And then when I went out and did anti-bullying work, I was this crazy guy, Benny DL. He's not that much like me, really, but I could be crazy and zany and off the wall and, and sing crazy songs and do all kinds of nutty things with musical instruments and stuff like that. But uh, you help other people to fund their dream life. So how do you do that? What, how do you go about helping people to generate funds? 
Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I have to say about your your alter ego, that is such a that is the the honey that that is the the honey inside of the tree that the bear is looking for in life. I really mean it. It's like like that's what we want. We want to be able to express ourselves. We want to be able to uh, to really feel life. And, and act like a kid. And so when, when you say something like that, that inspires me. And it actually has a direct correlation with why I help people get funding, and which sounds crazy, right? Why, how could you connect uh, having an alter ego and being super creative and unique and expressing yourself? Uh, how can you relate that to getting funding for a business, right? It sounds like they're so far apart. But the thing is, is I love serving heart-centered entrepreneurs, heart-centered people, people who just have a deep desire to make a difference. But in my life, I've also come across a lot of mentors who are uh, you know, super successful, multimillionaires. They've worked themselves into the ground for a very long time. And there are two sides of the coin. I feel like on one side, you have people who are super heart-centered. They want to make a difference, but they can't quite uh, tap into the money. They can't quite tap into the resources. And then you have people who are really successful and are doing a lot with their lives, but they can't quite tap into the spirituality. And so one of my passions is to merge those two groups together. And of course, there are people who have both figured out uh, on either, or none figured out. But when it comes to funding, what I do is I help people plan, fund, and build their dream businesses and, and craft their dream lives. And so what a lot of people think when they hear that is they think, oh, okay, uh, are you going to get me a loan? Are you a banker? <laughs> but that's so far from the truth. Uh, first of all, I don't believe in getting people into debt. But secondly, I think that what's really important to consider is that the first step, which is plan your dream life and your dream business, is the absolute most crucial step before you move into anything else. Because what I don't want to do when I'm helping people get money to pay for their personal expenses and their business expenses is I don't want them to start climbing up the wrong mountain only to get halfway up and realize they're on their own mountain. Uh, so I have this whole process. It's called the, uh, the life design process. Um, and basically you're, you're designing your whole life. Uh, I have a dream life planning workshop that I do and the end result of this dream life planning workshop is you. And if you're listening, just, Imagine you're, you're holding up a piece of paper in front of you and you're looking at the sheet of paper and on the sheet of paper, you have written down what you would want your life to look like. And you look at it and you say, this makes me nervous. It's a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if this is possible, but if somehow I can make what is on this sheet of paper reality, I will be the happiest person in the world. And then of course, as a mindfulness person, you, you look down and you say, and I'm already feeling that right now, happy in this moment, grateful and fulfilled as I am right now. So, uh, so I love helping people craft that plan as the first step. And I also like making sure that the person is not looking at their goal from a place of lack, but from a place of uh, empowerment and of abundance. And then from there, we move into the funding part as well. Uh, and basically, just to answer your question, because I, I did go on a bit of a tangent there, uh, the, the funding is either through grants, investments, or crowd investing. Oh, I see. So for people who are looking at life from a place of lack, 
Can you describe what that looks like or what it could look like? Because they're pr- probably different ways. I absolutely can tell you because I've been there many, many times. And I must say, I think this is an important distinction, uh, especially these days with uh, social media and with interviews. A lot of people, uh, there's this perception that people who are being interviewed, like myself, uh, had challenges, figured it out, and then get interviewed. But the truth is, it's a constant cycle. We're all having challenges. We're all figuring it out. And then we're uh, sharing what we've learned to the world. So I wanted to say that before giving my answer. Um, what does lack look like? <clears throat> what does scarcity look like? I'll just give you my personal stories and my personal examples. So um, I have been in, I've been homeless. Uh, I lived out of my car for four months. I have dealt with uh, assault as a young kid uh, and as an older, uh, uh, early 20s. I've dealt with a lot of challenges. And I think that uh, there are two kinds of lack that I've personally experienced. One is external lack, something that that is actually real, uh, like lack of funds, lack of resources, inability to, to uh, provide for myself. And then the other one is mental uh, patterns. And the mental patterns are really interesting because I feel like when we have the external lack, at least for myself, not much of the mental lack was going on. It's kind of like a, a Maslow's hierarchy type of situation where um, if I need to figure out a place to sleep, then I'm not really having negative thought patterns. But as soon as I become comfortable, then negative thought patterns can pop up and they can kind of uh, bubble to the surface. And so examples of mine are, uh, I've had times when I've said, why, why is it taking so long to achieve what you're trying to achieve? Uh, uh, you're behind, you should have achieved this by this time. Why are you not working this as hard as you can? And all these uh, internal negative self-talk that, uh, that we have is different for everybody, but ultimately mindfulness is actually, in, from my perspective, the solution, the key. And if we make mindfulness our top priority of the day, every day, then we're going to eliminate a lot of these issues uh, because you can basically find yourself, you, ha- you create these tools for yourself that allow us to kind of, uh, like I said earlier, tap into the truth underneath these stories that we're telling ourselves on a regular basis. Well, tell us about that part of your life where you were homeless. What led to that and, and what was that like? Maybe that was one of the best times of your life. Tell us, what was it like? Yeah, uh, at age 14 or so, uh, I, I started my own business. Uh, I had a recording studio out of my bedroom and I uh, started charging people 20 bucks an hour to come in and record. And by the age of 17, I had 10 grand in my bank account and I decided to move to LA. I moved to LA. I uh, went to a music school down there and I ended up getting internships with a bunch of really successful uh, big people, uh, Paul Oakenfold, Simon Cowell of American Idol, Wu-Tang, all these people that I interned with by the age of 18. And so I thought I was going to be a famous, successful multimillionaire by the age of 20, by the very latest. Uh, But then life happened. Uh, Unfortunately, there are some people, uh, you know, I know that you uh, are a big supporter of anti-bullying and though this isn't bullying per se it's in the same realm a little bit on the darker side uh, of somebody uh, and there are many people down in los angeles who know 
that there are a bunch of young aspiring people that moved to Los Angeles and I got taken advantage of. Uh, I got taken advantage of, uh, I got into a situation where my safety was in danger so much that I had to leave Los Angeles. I fled and I ended up moving to the Bay Area. I actually have a, a 17 episode reality series that's coming out uh, in December uh, called Chasing My Dream Life. Uh, and it has all these episodes of me being homeless, an episode of this person taking advantage of me and me fleeing to San Francisco. But basically what ended up happening is I ended up in the Bay Area in a place where I had no contacts, no connections. And I did my best to try to get on my feet and get some clients, but I just didn't have the resources at the time. And so I ended up being homeless. Uh, then on the coldest day of that winter, I locked myself out of my car uh, and I had a blanket and I was in my boxers. And so I had to find a place to sleep. And long story short, I found myself uh, in a warehouse trying to fall asleep where I had this epiphany where I was actually kind of complaining to myself and saying, how did you uh, let these opportunities slip by? Anyone else would have done anything for these opportunities. And here you are, you were just working with some of the most prestigious people in the world and now you're homeless, what's wrong with you? And as I was saying that, I started saying, you know what, if I know that I still have something, I know that I can still be successful. I just wish that someone could cut me a check to pay for my rent so I could have a, a roof over my head and maybe get pay for some food and maybe even a little bit of money for my business expenses. And that's when it hit me. I thought, why don't I do that? Why don't I get funding for myself? And it didn't happen overnight. But slowly but surely, I got back on my feet. And then when preparation met opportunity, which is our definition of luck, uh, I actually got an opportunity to help a music artist land a $1.4 million record deal. And from there, I just kept doing it over and over again. I helped another uh, guy that wanted to start a clothing brand. I got him $80,000. And then I finally did it for myself. And I funded my, uh, my YouTube channel, my reality series, and my business. And from there, I've just been really focused on helping people get really clear on what they want to do, getting the money so that they can have a three-year runway to focus on what they love as opposed to having to struggle through uh, maybe a job that they don't want to be working or any situation that they might be in. So does that mean you kind of work as a funding coach? You kind of coach people, help them, and get them to the point where they have funding? Is that how you do that? Yes, in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the word coach can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people. And I feel like there are a lot of individuals who really want to help people that uh, decide that they want to make that their title, their headline uh, of who they are. Uh, for me personally, I really like to dig super deep with a person and give them resources uh, as opposed to uh, just focus on uh, information or education. So uh, the people I work with, I'll say, hey, uh, I want to connect you with this person, but I don't think you're ready yet. So let's get you there. And uh, hey, are you looking for a job to transition between? Let me hook you up with a job. Let me help find you your city. Whatever resources they need, I want to be the person that can help them get so much clarity about their life that, like I said, they have that one sheet of paper and they're like, this is it. This sheet of paper is what I want. And then from there, getting them money so that they can make that happen. And so that includes a lot of spreadsheets that I work with uh, so that I can help people really break down what they need. Like how much money do you need to survive and thrive? 
right? And how much money do you need? What do you need to pay for? Do you need a, uh, do you need to basically buy some equipment? Do you need some video equipment? Do you need some audio equipment? Who do you need to hire? Um, do you need a marketing budget? How much? And I help people with their profit and loss or their financial projections and all the, the money related stuff so that they can have a uh, pitch deck, a presentation that they can show to someone to get money at any time that they want for their business. Well, that's very cool. That is very cool. And so I also understand that you help people to create podcasts. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I, I do that as well. Um, I, I have a, a separate uh, business that I do where I basically uh, do podcasts because I came from the music industry and I love positivity and I love podcasts. So uh, I work on some podcasts as well. It's really fun. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So can you tell us a story of somebody that you've worked with that you've kind of helped them to move to that area of success? You've kind of alluded to that already, but I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit more detail in the form of a story. Sure. Yeah. Um, so for example, there was a gentleman named Arsenio and Arsenio uh, decided he's the one that I mentioned earlier, the second person that I helped and he wanted to do a clothing line. And the thing is, is that he was already super certain what he wanted to do, right? So he was kind of in phase two. Uh, some people, they need help getting clarity on what it is that they want to do. Some people already know what they want to do. I still run them through the life uh, design, the dream life planning process, because it's important that they, even if they think they know what they want to do, we go back there and just make sure there's nothing missing. So he said, okay, what I want to do, I know what I want to do. I want this clothing line. I want to create this music brand. I want to do this. Uh, here's what I need. And so we basically took Arsenio and we said, okay, let's create a pitch deck. Let's create a presentation that starts with your vision. This is what I want to do. This is what it's going to look like. Look how amazing it could be. And then from there, going a little bit into some other details like his brand and his target demographic and who he's looking to connect with. And then from there, going into the financials, like I said before, uh, how much money do you need for your personal expenses, your rent or your mortgage, your bills, your gas, your food, your grocery for three years? How much do you need for your business expenses? And then also included in the financial projections, we covered some other things like uh, how much he expected to make, how much the investor could make in return, so on and so forth. So we created this pitch deck for him. And then... I said, hey, you know, do you know anybody who is wealthy? Because I like to start with their inner circle before we start reaching out to people outside of their circle like grants. And he thought about it and he said, well, you know, my, my brother is dating this woman who's pretty wealthy and she's always said she believes in me. And so we said, well, let's set up a meeting. And long story short, we set up a meeting, we showed her the pitch deck and we got an $80,000 deal. Now that might sound a little too magical and simple for people because they might say, well, Nathan, that's great, but he knew somebody. So another example that I can share is uh, my friend, Sarah. And my friend, Sarah came to me and said, Nathan, I, I have this deep calling in my heart and I know that I want to help people. I help homeless people every time I see them by giving them whatever money is in my pocket, but I want to help on a deeper level. And I said, okay, so tell me a little bit about this. What do you want to do? And she said, well, I think I want to start a nonprofit. So I put her through the process, through the, uh, the life design process. And basically what we did was we got a clear understanding of what she wanted to do, where we said, okay, 
if there is one thing that you could do for the rest of your life, what would it be? If you could take all the things that you're interested in, all the things, because some of us have business ADD, right? <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you want to do this, you want to do that. There's so many amazing things to do in the world. So how can we combine all those things together into one project? So Sarah and I did that together and she realized, you know what I love doing? I love the idea of being around spiritual leaders. And I would love an excuse to be around these amazing spiritual leaders and these these world changers, these people that want to impact the world and make a difference. And we said, okay, so now we're in the brainstorming process. And if you're listening to this, maybe think about what it is for you. Uh, And we said, okay, so how can we infuse this this dream of yours of being able to work with spiritual uh, leaders and amazing people with the other things you like. What else do you like? She said, well, I like helping homeless people. I like lifting people up, uh, but not just with money. I want to help them with their mindset and their their connection with their lives. Okay, great. So let's add that in. Now we're starting to get a cluster of all the things that matter to her. And I said, okay, what else? And she says, oh, well, I love uh, traveling to to beautiful paradise locations like islands. And so we got these things together and we realized that her core thing that she wanted to do was do paradise retreats with spiritual leaders and raise money to help homeless people, uh, both with personal development and finances. And so she created the Odyssey and the Odyssey is an event that had been happening prior and she ended up taking that event over and is doing this event every year and getting to do all the things she wanted to do. So that was the vision. But then where does the money come in? Because some of us, we don't have the vision and we need that. Uh, But some of us have the vision and we need the money. And so what we did was we actually applied for a Google grant and she ended up landing a $10,000 per month grant from Google. Now, this money isn't cash that she gets, but it's $10,000 worth of advertising she gets to spend every single month get new people into her funnel and into her business. So sometimes it doesn't come in the form of cash. Sometimes it comes in the form of a, of an advertising grant. Uh, but that allows her to really thrive and create a huge email list of people who align with her values and who can become her customers or her donors. So there's a lot of different ways that it can work, but ultimately it's like, how can I serve people so that they can thrive and not be climbing up this uh, steep hill of trying to achieve their dreams, whether it be getting clarity or getting the money to do it. I want to help people move from pushing a giant boulder up a hill to pushing a giant boulder down a hill. That's the goal. That's cool. And it's such a great story that you shared with us. And you must feel amazing for what you were able to do to help her. That's incredible. Well, I want to go back and touch a little bit more on the spirituality aspect. Let's talk about your spirituality. What does spirituality look like in the life of Nathan? That's a great question. As you ask the question, I find my body getting tingles and Uh, waves of joy and and gratitude. There's something really interesting about the physiology that we experience. If anyone has experienced anxiety, right, just when I say that word, for me at least, it brings up some actual physiological emotion. And the same thing goes with uh, when I say words that feel great. Uh, Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I feel this sense of... uh, of tightness and the sense of 
pain or discomfort. And other days I feel, I feel like it's the, almost the same exact feeling, except it's the negative version and the positive version. And so what I've noticed when it, when it comes to uh, my physiology, it's directly connected to the stories that I tell myself in my subconscious mind. And the stories that I tell myself in my subconscious mind are kind of like a cloud between me and spirituality. And to me, spirituality really is just, like I said, it's, it's, if you open the curtain, if you unveil behind all this reality that we see, the, the physical plane, the, uh, the stories we tell ourselves, if you just open the curtain, behind that is the truth, okay? And the truth is not one story, one religion, anything like that. The truth is simply the truth. And there's beauty in the fact that we, that in the rules of life, we don't know. There's no way to prove, at least at this time, there's no way to prove what happens after you die. There's no way to prove what's really going on. People are doing amazing things to, to explore in science and, and uh, mathematics to get a better understanding of what's happening in the world. But ultimately, you feel it. We know what it is. And I was raised not religious. Um, and I have spent a lot of time studying different religions. So ultimately, to me, spirituality is the thing that saves you when you have something really scary happening, like maybe a health risk of you or your family, or maybe uh, a financial situation where you start freaking out. Ultimately, whatever you can connect to and ground into, that's the thing that I believe is going to save us when it comes to when it comes to the challenges of life. Well, I think that, yeah, for sure, spirituality can can definitely help us through things like that. What's the difference between consciousness and spirituality in your mind? Mm. Yeah, well, one thing that I love is the uh, merging of the metaphysical and the science. And consciousness is a very tangible, objective thing in a lot of ways, right? It's this, the it's when you put the plug into the wall and then your brain starts working, right? Life. Uh, and so I think that consciousness uh, in a very objective sense is the ability to, uh, to be actually conscious and uh, living and experiencing the existence itself. Um, spirituality, I believe, is the, uh, the way that you are connected with source itself. And because the way that the world works and the way that life works is that we don't have any actual proof. There's no way to research any of this stuff. All we can do is just tap into our inter eternal knowing of who we are. So spirituality to me is how you're connecting in with the source of life itself. And uh, consciousness is the ability to actually experience. So do you meditate? I do. I've meditated over a thousand days straight. Um, really happy about that. That's over three years. Um, and I did it out of necessity. I didn't do it because I wanted to start. I did it because I was experiencing um, uh, anxiety so bad that one day I actually blacked out on the freeway uh, going 70 miles an hour. Um, and luckily, my friend Olivia was in the car and I was 
driving there and I don't know if you, if anyone listening has had this happen, but if you stand up too quick and all of a sudden you kind of can't see, and there's maybe a little bit of light in front of you, that's what happened to me while I was driving on the freeway. Uh, luckily I was in a situation where I got extra calm and I said, Olivia, uh, I can't really see right now. Can you grab the wheel? Everything's fine. I'm just going to slowly step on the brake. You tell me if I need to step on it more or less, but grab the wheel and just get us off the freeway. She grabbed the wheel and I slowly started hitting the brake. I said, faster. She said, more, more. Okay, a little bit more. Now all the way, go, go, go. And it was one of the most intense moments of my entire life, for sure. Uh, but after that, I went into, and this is crazy, right? Because if any of us listening has had a health risk and maybe you want to go to a naturopath or, or some sort of Eastern medicine, and then that's a whole different experience from when you go to a Western medicine doctor and they tell you to take a pill. But I went into the hospital in the United States and they told me that I should probably start meditating, which was incredible to hear. I thought I would never hear this from, from a, a doctor, from, uh, from an ER person. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to start doing this because for the next few weeks I would get in my car and my hands would physically not close on the wheel. And I'm not kidding. I was sitting there thinking, I'm not stressed right now. I just left my mom's house. We were laughing. We were joking. We we're having fun. And I get in my car and I try to close my hands and they literally won't close. So it's amazing what anxiety can do to the body. Uh, and that's what caused me to start meditating. I started with the Calm app. Uh, then I moved to the Headspace app. That I'm telling you that app changed everything for me. It's just the analogies they use and the, the process of, of how they help, uh, help a person meditate. I started off really short with simple meditations. Uh, and I just made a commitment to myself that for the rest of my life, I'm going to do 10 med meditative breaths every day for the rest of my life. Some days, especially earlier on, maybe I meditated for three minutes. And these days, sometimes I meditate for 90 minutes, but it's been a rock in my life. It's been one of the core things. And I actually stumbled upon an analogy that can help people who don't meditate or who do meditate really understand uh, the value of it. And it's like this. I think that uh, when you meditate, it's like putting money into your savings account. Sometimes you're like, Oh, come on. Like, I want to spend some more money. I just got my paycheck. Do I really have to put this into my savings account? I don't really feel like it. And sometimes it's the case, right? You, you sit down and meditate. And you're like, I just want to go to bed. I just, I don't want to meditate right now, but you do it because you know that you need to put money into your savings account. But then when you need it, when you're having a panic attack an anxiety attack, when something really horrible happens in life, when something scary happens, you have this huge savings account that you can pull from. And it actually happened to me the other day. I got some news, my body, I started panicking and I just dropped to my knees in my living room. And for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, I just sat there. And when I stood up, I was in absolute complete bliss. And that doesn't always happen when I meditate. Sometimes I meditate and it's like, why did I do that? I didn't really do much for me, but it, it really is a, a life vest for when you're out in the middle of the ocean and you need some support. Wow, what a great story. I want to go back to that point you made. You said that you had experienced bullying earlier in your life, and I always ask a question about this. Can you share this story and how mindfulness maybe would have made a difference? Yeah, so um, the 
I have experienced some bullying. I think most people have on some level, but I didn't experience a level of what you would consider uh, like, like bullying in school or anything like that, particularly what I did experience that I think would be the, the ultimate, uh, there may be a little bit of a distinction here because it's not exactly bullying, but dealing with people who have the same mentality, right? And I think that if you break down bullying, what it really comes down to is it's a human being that is looking for some sort of validation or attention or love. And through their recklessness, as a lot of us are as kids, just having fun, acting crazy, just doing whatever we do, we find something that gets people's attention. You think about a little baby and the little baby's trying to get attention and it's crying and its mom's not paying attention to it. And then it knocks something over and the mom goes, oh my God. And then the kid starts laughing, oh my God. And now the kid realizes that if it knocks stuff over, it's gonna get the attention and the validation it wants. And the same thing happens in school. Uh, it's like kids will go into school and they're just acting a fool, being a goofball. And then they realize if they say, you got a big nose and the whole class laughs, then they realize they're being conditioned that that is how they can get validation and love. And sometimes I do think, I genuinely think that the reason that someone is bullying, especially in younger years, has little or nothing to do with an actual issue or problem or pain that they're having in their lives. And other times it does have a lot to do with them expressing some other pain or challenge that they're dealing with maybe at home. And so that is how I kind of deconstruct the idea of bullying. That being said, the main thing that I've experienced, like I said, is a little bit darker, which was that person in Los Angeles, that adult taking advantage of me as a young uh, person who was uh, motivated and driven to be successful in the music industry, moving to Los Angeles and knowing absolutely no one. And so in that situation, we had a person who had been through so much trauma growing up who had been just through the ringer and they had experienced so much pain that they were conditioned to, uh, to re release the, all the pain that they had in themselves by manipulating other people, by hurting other people, by taking advantage of other people. And they realized, Hey, this is what happened to me. They figured out all the intricate details of how, they were manipulated as a kid. And so they started manipulating others, taking advantage of them in all different kinds of ways. And so it's in a similar realm to me because ultimately what it is, is this human beings who are desiring to feel validation and love and connection and don't know how to get it and are in fear-based mentality, lack of mentality. And so what they end up doing is they end up trying to hoard anything that feels good and try to capture people or trap people in a situation because they see something that is love, that is good, that they want. And so they either try to sabotage it or try to keep it to themselves. And so what happened to me ultimately is I got taken advantage of. And I, like I said, I had to flee. Um, and the situation was dangerous enough that I wasn't in a position to be able to go back to that person and try to try to help or anything like that. But uh, I do continuously send love from afar to that person and healing energy and hoping that they, they end up um, receiving some sort of solace and stop hurting other people and stop hurting themselves. 
Wow, that's great. It's great that you're able to feel positively enough that you feel like you can send love to that person. That's that's really incredible. Um, as we move on, Nathan, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. And uh, so just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Uh, Jess Lippman. Jess Lippman is a mindfulness coach and she is absolutely incredible um in fact uh, yeah 30 second answer i have so much to say about her uh but she has given me a toolbox for mindfulness uh a lot of words that i can use so that i'm clear about what the feeling is in my body and how i can help evaporate those emotions in my body and she is absolutely incredible how has mindfulness affected your emotions (sighs) mindfulness has given me the ability to explore my emotions without judgment and uh, basically understand the temperature, the size, the space of each emotion and allow me to be okay with that emotion so that I can release the emotions that are necessary with love. So Nathan, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Breathing is incredible. I personally have a little feeling that the cold showers, uh, the reason that it gives you so much energy is not just because of the temperature, but because it causes you to go, Oh my goodness. Oh, and you start breathing so deeply. And then you have this, this fire, this wonderful energy from you. So breathing is the key. And if you ever are in such a panic state that you can't even conceptualize the idea of meditating, Forcing yourself to breathe is the emergency, uh, the emergency solution. Breathing is the key. It's absolutely amazing. I totally agree with you. Can you share a book with us that uh, can really help people with mindfulness? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is kind of like the one. I'm sure that a lot of people have said that on your podcast. I, yeah. I love that book. Um, and I like to be unique and original and try to come up with something that no one has said, but it's just it's just so necessary uh, for, for people who are getting into mindfulness and just being in the moment. So that's, that's my answer. Yeah, for sure. And you already mentioned a couple of apps, so we've kind of covered that. I'll put all of this in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. And I know your website, nathan.tv, and it's N-A-T-H-E-N, nathan.tv. So what can Mindful Tribe expect to find there when they go to your website, Nathan? Yeah, well, uh, I have two uh, services that I provide or a product and a service uh, I, I have an online course called Dream You. Uh, it helps people plan, fund, and build their dream business. And then I have the Dream Business Network, which is actually an invite only. There's no opt-in for it currently. Uh, it's just people who have been on my text message list and my email list for a while. I send personalized audio messages to people and text people back and forth and just help them for free. And then people who I feel like, wow, this person... Uh, is really someone that I'd like to work with. And I invite them to be a part of the dream business network where we plan our month at the beginning of every month and cheer each other on and just be there for each other. So um, I'd actually love to offer uh, your audience something. Um, If you guys are listening and you have a pen and a pad or uh, you have something to write with, uh, I'll give you my phone number. And what you can do is you can text me. Uh, What I used to do during quarantine is I was giving away free 15-minute consultations, not selling anything at the end, just pure uh, service. 
Uh, and anyone that uh, texts me at this phone number that I'm about to give you and just says, hey, you know, I, um, coming to you from Bruce, uh, coming to you from the mindfulness mode. If you say anything like that, then I would love to give you a free 15 minute consultation without trying to sell you anything, uh, just, just pure love. And that number is 310-807-1998. One more time, it's 310-807-1998. Uh, you can text me about anything. What I like to tell people is put a little a little uh, tripwire in your mind that says, if I need some motivation, text Nathan. If I'm feeling a little stressed, text Nathan. If I'm re feeling really motivated and I want some strategies and some ideas, text Nathan. Just anything relating to your dream life, your dream business. If you need someone to collaborate with, to come up with ideas with, just text me and I'm here for you. Um, it's a text message platform. Sometimes I'll send out uh, blasts to everyone saying, hey, here's a new inspirational idea. But I get every single one of them directly to my phone and I do respond. Sometimes it takes a while, but I respond to every single one, sometimes with an audio message, sometimes with a text but it's just a great way for us to connect and, and uh, just help each other out and be there for each other and share resources. Well, I'm impressed at how generous you are, how authentic you seem to be, how much you truly, truly want to help others in this world. And uh, you just have great vibes, Nathan. You have you have just great energy. I really love it. So Mindful Tribe, go to Nathan.tv, N-A-T-H-E-N.tv, and definitely text Nathan, just like he said, or phone him, just like he said, 310-807-1998. Thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode, Nathan. Thanks, Bruce. You're absolutely wonderful. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> awesome to meet you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, go to mindfulnessmode.com and type in the guest's name into the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends as well. Oh, and you can get an ebook I put together outlining the 12 most recommended mindfulness books which are suggested on the show. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com slash top 12 books. So Mindful Tribe, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.